2: Do you. you got the makings of AA
3: a. Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM. KCAA Loma Linda. Listen on 1050 AM 102.3 FM and 106.5 FM.
1: Carlson, America's leading Norwegian fish oil brand, specializes in both great tasting soft gels that are easy to swallow and fish oil liquids that don't taste fishy. That's right, Carlson provides the most extensive line of fish oils to meet all your needs. You can take Carlson fish oils with confidence, for Carlson fish oils are tested for purity, potency and freshness. As for Carlson Norwegian Fish Oils today. That's right. As for Carlson Norwegian Fish Oils today.
4: This episode of the House of Mystery is brought to you by Legacy Food Storage. The best way to protect your family is by being prepared. Legacyfoodstorage.com
0: New U.S. sanctions on Iran took effect today, since President Trump pulled the U.S. out of the international nuclear deal.
2: The sanctions targeted shipping, financial, and energy sectors, all key to the country's already struggling economy. The bombs, which the FBI referred to as improvised explosive devices, were sent to the FBI's bomb laboratory in Quantico, Virginia. We're in Mexico again tonight as thousands of migrants try to find a faster way to the U.S. border. The White House says it's now getting help from the Mexican. The news out of Pittsburgh, a accused in the shooting at the uh, synagogue in Pittsburgh, is pleading not guilty, and he also wants a jury trial, which he's facing a 44-pound So, In the final seconds before the Boeing 737 MAX crashed into the water, it was traveling at more than 500 kilometers an hour. All 189 people on board were killed.
3: You've now entered the House of Mystery.
2: Crime, conspiracy, history, and science.
3: With your hosts, Al Warren, Mike Brown,
2: Julie Sav, Michael Butterfield,
3: Dr. Joseph Ucinski, and Michael Hawley.
2: Heard on KCAA 106.5 FM Los Angeles.
3: 102.3 FM Riverside.
2: And 105.0 AM Palm Springs. Dearly we are gathered in a to get through this thing called life. In the future, the words I for help.
4: In the house of mystery, and I know you just you've been waiting for weeks for this
5: you have to have been
4: well, what else do you do?
5: Sit at home and stare at the wall
4: i I guess yeah, I don't know so now so are you, I don't know are you has your life really changed since all this coronavirus, or is, are you doing everything the same?
5: Well, I work from home to begin with, so not a lot has changed as far as that goes. Um one thing that's changed is my wife is now working from home and she's in the basement, so uh
4: is she alive
5: it's pretty, uh, for <laughs> well, now she
4: in the basement I don't
5: know. <laughs> for now
4: <laughs>
2: but, uh
5: yeah she's she's doing her thing in the basement uh answering her uh you know customer requests and all those kind of things in the basement, which is fine um I'm not going out as much as I did. I used to go out for coffee with friends at least twice times a week but obviously that's not happening so we're having our little meetings over Skype and Zoom and FaceTime and all that kind of thing.
4: Wow yeah nothing just just the traveling for me I'm sort of stuck here so not, life is much the same um sort of like I said but I don't get to fly out and yeah go all the places I go but
5: uh, I had to cancel our Florida trip in May um I got money back from some uh, services, but others have decided that they're giving only credits, which you know, is not helpful.
4: Well, I'm irritated. I got everything back on everything that we had booked, everything except for one flight with Canadian Airlines and mm. uh, Air Canada. And um, I had booked the trip to Vancouver and back. And yeah. they they canceled the flight, actually, before I did. Oh, so they said I would get a credit. Okay, I'm good with that because I'll use it if the world gets back to normal. Yeah. Um, I'll use it, so that's not a problem. But then all of a sudden I get this email, okay? I get this email from Air Canada on the 30th of March. Okay? Mm. In that email, it says this is this is the key to your credit for Air Canada flight. And it give me a, a, a number and a code or something, right? So, sure. So if you're calling the 1-800 number, use this and then they'll be able to find it and all that stuff. And it says, so you, you know, you're entitled to a trip or it's given me all the details. And it says, but you must rebook this, uh, this uh, trip um, by the by March 31st midnight.
5: Are you are you kidding?
4: No, I am like, what? You see, so you, you give me one day. I have no idea where the world's going to be. So how can I rebook this right now until I know, you know what I mean? How can I just, I can't just pick a date um, and guess, uh, unless I put it way down in September, October, and chances are it'll be fine. But, so that's, I don't get that. Why, that's a, I don't know. So Air Canada's just done it for me. That's, that's the last straw.
5: So, so what are they doing with your money? I have no idea keeping
4: it it? yeah they'll keep it I guess I mean it's one of those if you don't make the booking by then you know and the thing is I'd call them but when you call you're on hold for about an hour at least Mm. so I'm just sort of yeah I don't know I'm sort of in the middle of a I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do because the date's passed I haven't rebooked because I wouldn't know what to book for Mm. and I, I think that's absolutely crazy
5: it is 100% Hundred percent crazy. That's that's theft.
4: Yeah, that's really bad service. But I've heard that I saw on the news just uh, yesterday other people complaining about the same scenario, and someone has actually filed a lawsuit against the airline. Yeah. So you know what? Uh, I'm glad they they need to. Uh, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> you get you get you know you get all this money and and you can't provide the flight. Well, fair enough, but then when you can provide it, you should, you should. But then to say, I have to book it, man. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I,
5: good. I know that uh, Delta in the States has given us our credits for two years. And I don't, I don't know about uh, Alaska airlines. Cause we have had that with them. I think it was uh, a year that we have to use our credits with them. Which is it's fine. We'll probably end up using it anyway, but, uh, you yeah, know? Yeah.
2: yeah,
4: I know. That's, that's kind of what I expected. So, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll get uh, brave enough to start trying to call them next week.
5: <laughs> well, they, they know people aren't going to sit on hold and wait forever.
4: Well, yeah, I know, and it took that so, long when they yeah. first canceled it. Then they, Then they sent me an email saying that they were going to reschedule my flight. And then they canceled that one, and then they're going to reschedule again. So I called them, and then the lady said, "Well, I can't do anything." It took it took at least an hour to get through to someone, and then she told me she couldn't do anything. That it was out of her hands.
5: Ah, uh, yeah. Well, so it, what I always say to that is, "Well, okay, if you can't help me, then give me somebody who can."
4: Well, then she told me, "Yeah, but I did that sort of," and she said, "Well, I could, uh, I could put you on hold and transfer you over there, but there is quite a wait." So, yeah,
5: <laughs> I wait, and that person gets an earful when I when I get there.
4: Yeah, it's rough. It's a rough time, but uh, everything else is good. Um, you're still getting, uh, you can still get groceries and everything fine. It's no no problem there.
5: Oh, we can't get eggs.
4: Yeah, what what happened to the eggs? What's going on with
5: that? Um, all the people uh, are, I guess, hoarding eggs now. They believe that uh, eggs last forever. No, I, I, I guarantee you that uh, these people who have, like, pallets and pallets full of eggs in their fridge now, are they're going to be bad. Those eggs are going to go bad, and uh, people who actually need them could have used them. So, way to go, dum-dum.
4: Well, that's ridiculous. Um, I thought they were putting um, restrictions on how much you can buy. In a
5: some, stores, some stores are, and some stores are totally not. Some stores seem to have zero conscience about that. Um, I know there are different grocery chains here in the Lower Mainland uh, that are doing that, but uh, the one right across from us is not at all. You can have anything, as much of anything as you want, they don't care,
4: speaking of conscious <laughs> I, I i i so why how can people actually go out and buy that much and not know that they're doing it? Do you know what I mean like when you go out and you load up your cart with what however many fifty cartons of eggs how how would you not know that's wrong
5: um well, here, here's here's the thing, they're they're selfish.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but listen, they
5: don't they don't think of other people ever.
4: Yeah, but look, I'm just an average guy. I go out, and if I want to buy extra, I might buy two two dozen eggs or two eighteen packs. There's no way I'm going to eat all of the eggs by the time they're bad. Yeah. No, you're not. Right. I mean, so what's the point? That's what I don't get. I see the toilet paper doesn't go bad So if you really need it and you buy it, I guess it's not like it's going to expire Yeah, you know, I felt really um, Self-conscious when I was at the store the last time they they had uh, case lot sale (laughs) And and so I bought um, But I felt like everyone was watching me because <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, two cases of canned food going, yeah. through, going through the cash thing. And I felt like I, w- I was really self-conscious. I think people are like looking at you like you're a hoarder. And it's like, no.
5: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't... Anyway, it's well, go We have, have Diet Beer on sale here. Or uh, two, you buy two cases, you get one free. Right. And so that's what I bought. I picked up three, and I had people eyeballing me. It's like it's on the flyer, <laughs> you know. It's not like that's what they want you to do.
4: <laughs> yeah, or you, you see that with the uh, Kroger's, Fred Meyer there in the states. They've got, uh, you know, uh, you know, four for five dollars and stuff like that, but limit three.
5: <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> Well played, my well played.
4: Yeah, it's really, it's really crazy. So, so now, what do you do with your time off? What is there to do? You wash your hands every day,
2: all day?
5: Well, I've been walking a lot, so I go out for walks by myself, um, or my wife will come with me on her days off. And I've been walking probably about four kilometers a day, um, and just around the neighborhood, avoiding people. You know, keeping my physical distance and social distance from people if somebody wants to stop and talk, we will talk six feet apart, kind of thing but uh but yeah i'm I'm getting way more exercise, and I feel a lot better because I was starting to get depressed again, so um I find that when I'm exercising, that goes away pretty quickly yeah it
4: keeps your it keeps your mind busy, yeah. So now, how many, we've got quite a few people that um, have been testing positive with. So, so what do you think is going to happen at the end of this?
5: Oh, I think that we're going to see um, millions dead across the planet. Um, I, I was listening to the uh, the, the uh, health minister from Ontario speaking today, and they've released their modeling of what they project as far as the virus goes and uh, it's it's pretty scary there's they're thinking uh, at least 15,000 deceased in ontario with all the um uh, things that we've put in place and they said had we not put anything in place it would be 100,000 uh, i think the way we live is probably going to change after this uh, like uh, you mentioned to me before that, you know, people with the span during the Spanish flu, it took up to four years before things normalized.
4: Yeah, it took, it, it was 22 when they actually started. And, and, and the problem is what happens is in the first year or two, um, the few businesses like restaurants and so- social places that people go to opened, reopened, mm. right, the ones that did survive, but nobody yeah. went to them. So yeah. most of them were closed again within a year or two because people just stopped going out. So I think that's an effect we have to look for. But
5: It's probably definitely going to happen. Uh, places who that have stayed open and doing delivery and skip the dishes and all that stuff might keep that kind of uh, thing at bay just a little bit. Uh, I yeah. guess it's Uber Eats and, uh, and DoorDash and... All those kind of different places None of them are sponsors But I'm mentioning them Because if people want to eat That's probably what you should be doing Is calling one of those places But uh, but yeah, I think those are the what's going to keep these restaurants alive right now There's There are other restaurants that are thinking really creatively too um, I know Earl's, which is a chain here in British Columbia And they're elsewhere now I believe they're even in the States they have uh, turned a few of their restaurants into grocery stores where they are taking orders and then providing uh, customers with their groceries uh, that they can provide, like meat and vegetables that, and those kind of things that they have on hand, which is is actually kind of a good idea, really cool idea. And the customer comes by and they pick it up and that's that.
2: Mm.
4: You know um you know the other thing uh there's a lot of people that are not very self-aware like stars did you see that with with like madonna in her tub with roses <laughs> rose petals
5: yeah i know you're a big madonna fan well
4: i i, I of the music it doesn't mean, mean that i like uh right a her, lot her. of things that she does like i she certainly t- you know this Madame x and an eye patch and all that just makes me roll my eyes and
5: little weird
4: yeah it's just she's just gone you know over it, you know which is fine it's not up to me it's up to her but and now she's in this tub in this two million dollar home uh, filming herself in a, a milk bath with rose petals and and um, then you've got um, oh you know Jack uh,
5: black dancing around in his underwear
4: yeah no but I mean but just people with lots of money. In a, yeah. in a really wealthy sort of situation arnold schwarzenegger you know feeding his his many many um horses and all that stuff in the house and uh, feeding
5: the horses
4: yeah but it's like they they we live, have
5: to glue later on
4: <laughs> they live so well and i don't think they realize that it's it's
5: flaunting it you know it yeah to to some it is
4: well to some to this sort of thing it is i mean when you um when you display it like that like everything's fine i sometimes it's a bit much you know i but that's just me i guess i just think that there's no self-awareness if if you do that
5: no well i mean i live in a in a co-op in a in a sort of a A high crime neighborhood, so I don't think there's any any chance of people thinking I'm flaunting my (laughs) wealth.
4: No, but could you imagine if you if you were wealthy and if you're flaunting it like that? Not only that, you're looking for, uh, um, you know, if the the world starts falling apart, you know, well, I know where I can get food. (laughs) Go break in that place.
5: Yeah, at least if you like horse meat, you can go to Arnie's place.
4: Arnie, yeah, they're well fed. Um... And Chris Cross, Christopher Cross, had coronavirus. Really? Yeah.
5: He would. I liked his his music back in the eighties.
4: Yeah, he had a little little streak there for a while.
5: Sailing. That was a good song. He's yeah. like the, the grandfather of yacht yacht rock.
4: Oh, and uh, so now you're you're on uh, Twitched.
5: <laughs> what?
4: Now are you doing TikTok
5: too now? I did uh create a TikTok account. Um I've done one video where uh I I used the alien <laughs> uh filter and said that I had the coronavirus. I was a little green and I looked like an alien. But uh I and I said, Just kidding, I don't really have it. But well, yeah, but yeah, that's the only video that I've done. I, I'm I don't know like I I'm busy writing so I don't have a lot of time to come up with 30 second videos right now but I think I'll probably do more later.
4: I guess there you go. I you know, I guess I should do that. So I was on I was on another talk show.
5: Oh. Yeah. How did that go?
4: Actually they they were pretty good. That was the uh Beyond Realities Radio. That's the uh guys from Ghost Hunters. TV oh cool, show. Yep. yeah yeah it was pretty good actually they're pretty good interviewers actually it went really well i will say of, of all of them i've done it was pretty good nice and then of course coast to coast i was on when we were off there yeah and um i could take it or leave it you know it's they're they're, they're always trying to push conspiracies on me yeah you know and i don't like that um now, Lindsay Lohan has got a brand new dat single coming out today.
5: Uh, Lindsay Lohan.
4: Yeah, are you excited?
5: I need to look her up right now. Let's yeah. see. Let's let's see how she's looking. She she had a lot of work done, didn't she?
4: Oh yeah, yeah. And they've got her posts, you know, on, kind of on her knees there. Um, she can't move.
5: <laughs> what do you mean she can't move?
4: Because uh, that's how they shaped her so that she can never move.
5: Oh. She's wearing big shoes.
4: Well, yeah, but uh, and it's called "Back to Me." There you go.
5: Huh. I mean, maybe she's uh, cleaned herself up.
4: I doubt it, but yeah, oh,
5: yeah, her first new music since Xanax. <laughs>
4: well, <laughs> there you go. There you
5: well, go. "Back to Me" would indicate that she's no longer using Xanax, but yeah. uh, you never know.
4: Um. Now, <laughs> now, on on the interview today um we actually have uh uh Robert Giles. Yes. I got it right.
5: You did get his name right.
4: I got it right. And uh, this is another one that's kind of history we've been doing this it's kind of a history um crime together, right? And uh it's called when truth mattered. Yeah. Um this is about the Kent State uh, shooting in uh was it nineteen seventy i believe nineteen seventy yeah so that's that's a pretty interesting thing and what what really blows me away about this case is um the the national guard the, those guys they shot four protesters, and uh nobody was ever even charged for it
5: no, nobody's been held to account at all
4: yeah anyway uh on that positive note. <laughs>
5: <laughs> You're welcome.
4: Yeah, we'll take a break, and, and we'll come back, and we'll uh, be, be talking to Mr. Giles.
5: Awesome.
3: We interrupt our programming. This is a national emergency.
1: Important details will follow. Are you prepared? Legacy Food Storage
4: The best way to protect your family is by being prepared. Go now to LegacyFoodStorage.com. Use coupon code HOM15 now for 15% off. Quick, go. back into the House of Mystery, and this is the time for the interview. Um, now, today we have uh, the author of When Truth Mattered, and it's the Kent State Shootings 50 Years Later, and that's Robert Giles. Thank you for being here, Bob.
6: You're welcome. I'm very happy to have an opportunity to talk about When Truth Mattered on your program. So, um, what
4: what encouraged you to write? when truth mattered
6: well I've been living with this story for 50 years I was managing editor of the Akron Beacon Journal in 1970 and directed the coverage and uh, so I have lived with the story thought about it talked to people about it but I never thought about writing it until very uh, last year or two when some of my author friends here in, in Traverse City, of Michigan, started to tell me that I needed to tell this story because, in part, all, most of the people who worked with me at the newspaper have died, and I had the last one of the last institutional memories. So that was a that was an inspiration, and of course the fact.
5: more than once, actually. Do I have to say?
0: Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That, it's
6: been 50 years, and there was a commemoration schedule that's now been canceled. mark um, that sad event and I wanted to be able to tell how a great journalism story played into the public understanding of what happened at Kent State.
4: So so maybe um, refresh the memory, and we've got a lot of younger listeners too, that May 1970 was a long time ago for them and they probably weren't around. What exactly
6: uh, happened? The Kent State story uh, begins with President Nixon's speech announcing that he was sending troops into Cambodia. This occurred during the middle of the week before May 4th, but it, and it set off uh, riots and demonstrations around the country on college campuses, and that was true at Kent State. Students had their own uh, riots. They uh, burned down the ROTC building on Saturday night. The governor, James Rhodes came to town. And then on Monday, uh, they planned a a demonstration against the war. The governor issued a, a decree that said there will be no gatherings on campus, peaceful or otherwise. And one of the funny sidelights about that is that somebody said, "Governor, what's a, what do you consider a protest?" And he said, two people walking together." But, so you know, there was a lot of a lot of uh, confusion about the meaning of the of the governor's statement. But on Monday, the demonstration evolved. The students were. Uh, on the campus, they were yelling at the National Guard, giving them the finger, tossing a few rocks and stones and the guard pushed them uh, away and and followed them, and then basically thought that the they had done their job of dispersing the students and and many of the students thought that too. so as the guard was returning to its uh, its bivouac area, all of a sudden it Several of the members turned and fired at the students. They killed four. They wounded nine. And that became a really stark message that the Vietnam War had to come home.
4: So now, now, now you, you decided in this book that um, you were going to tell the, the what and why. So why, why did they shoot
6: people? Nobody knows the answer to that. Uh, the guards, the guard officers, and the, some of the guardsmen claimed afterwards that they felt their lives were in danger because the students were throwing rocks and pressing in on them. Uh, we, in our reporting, we basically disproved that claim. So that was one of the things that we exposed that. Has has created this, uh, ab- our ability to say, um, there was no reason for the guard to shoot at these kids. And of course, when you think about it, they killed them. And so, several people said to me, they killed our children. And there has, no one has been held accountable. And there was no justice uh, in this. You know, Americans value the system of justice. Well, there was no justice in this case. So all of that reality stayed with me for 50 years. And uh, I thought that the journalism, the Bacon Journal did, was was great journalism. And the country needs to know about that at a time when the press is under attack and when truth-telling has become very important.
4: So that's kind of um, alludes to the title of When Truth Mattered. Um, you, you talk about uh, how it's been unchallenged and, and unchanged for five decades. Um, how, how do you apply that to now? Can, can you trust the news and can you trust what you hear and see now?
6: If, if, you, if you go to the right sources of news, I think you get a, a truthful and honest report. But there, is, there are other voices that are trying to tell a different story. And when you're dealing with something as serious as this virus, you're, you will encounter people who have false claims. Or they want to promote some uh, commercial uh, uh, sale of a... <clears throat> A, um, a, a new cure, or something like that. There are a lot of there are a lot of opportunities for misinformation or disinformation from people who are who who are have it as their purpose to do that. So it takes a very good, uh, rigorous reporting. Um, journalists who have paid attention, who under, who are knowledgeable about the disease or the virus, uh, and who have dependable sources they can, they can rely upon. Uh, and <clears throat> those are the, those are the uh, kinds of news sources that today's viewers, readers, listeners have to, have to depend on to get a clear picture of what is happening and what is not happening.
4: So do you think that the media has changed? Like 50 years ago in 1970, uh, when, when the media sources, newspapers and television back then, were um, broadcasting about Kent State and, and the shooting there and things like that, when you compare that to today, um, do, do you find that the mainstream media, the, the, the network media and papers that survived, have really changed, or are they still doing the same job?
6: Well, in some way, they're doing the same job if they adhere to the values that are are at the core of their work. But if you think about the, the kind of journalism that was being done in 1970, you had three big networks, you had a couple of national newspapers, People got their news back in 1970. If Kent State had happened tomorrow, social media would have would become the dominant way that people get their information. Uh, There would have been protesters and witnesses and people who were opposed to the protesters, all carrying iPhones. And they would have recorded uh, that terrible event, and that would have been uh, at the heart of the original reporting. And then, after uh, the dust settled, so to speak, the mainstream media and and their own values would have come into play, and you would have begun to get a more accurate uh, and complete account of what went on but during the early hours when social media was dominating the reporting a lot of misinformation would have become established in the public mind and that would have been hard to overcome but the, the local papers like ours would have been stayed to their true to their values and would have given the public a story that was as truthful as they possibly could
4: yeah with social media now and, and, and everyone's access to it and both broadcasting it and listening and watching it how, how is it that we can regulate this or should we and, and what can we do to, to really um, um, protect ourselves from, from fake news so to speak
6: well, we can't we can't regulate it. Uh, the Constitution and the First Amendment prevents that. But what we have to hope is a that you get uh, leading editors, leading news directors, who are wedded to the value, to the core values of journalism: accuracy, truth, um, and uh, that they that they're that they they can. And, and can bring coverage that will be have the, tell the honest story. And uh, over time, I believe that do, doing it the right way will uh, will build the trust uh, that um, that you have to have between your viewers, your audience, and your news organization. Uh, and I think that. Uh, my my belief always has been that the marketplace will determine how the how the information is received and how it is acted on so that if you had a story like kent state where you, and you had a newspaper that was in, intensely well prepared had had covered demonstrations over several years at kent state that they would they're, they had, would have built up a trust with their reading audience that would have believed and accepted what the paper said was the best version available of the truth, and they also would have, have given the paper an acknowledgement that that they could their stories were uh, the effort that went into their stories was, was uh, acceptable they trusted that effort uh, and so over time uh, the truth would out um, it, it's much more difficult today because you have um, the news has been politicized, the press is under attack there are well organized institutions that are trying to demean the, 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 the role of the press uh, that politics is so much engaged in trying to dis- dismiss the value of uh, what serious journalists and serious journalist organizations are attempting and in many cases succeeding in doing.
4: You know, back in 1970 when the Kent State shooting happened, um, was there the same type of, um, you know, um, conspiracy theories and and stories that were coming out of that that uh, were were going around the country as well. I, I'm sure not as rampant as it does with the internet now, but uh, was there still that kind of uh, underground?
6: Well, there were there were a, a lot of, of claims that the communists were behind uh, the the demonstrations across campuses against the war. So that that was one element. Um, there was uh, a in the case of Kent State, that that conspiracy theory was being mentioned by people who opposed the student demonstrations. They wanted to blame it on the students for Democratic Society, or the Black United Students, or other organizations that were opposed to the war and and opposed to their way of looking at politics and, and the world. Um, there also were some uh, claims uh, about the cause of the shootings that our newspaper exposed. One of them was that there was a sniper, the, the National Guard commanders, almost immediately after the shootings, during all the pandemonium that resulted from that terrible moment, tried to claim that there had been a sniper who had fired on the guard, and that's why they turned and shot. Well, we did an investigation that disproved that claim of a a sniper, and basically that argument uh, went away. Um... And, but it was all part of a, of a detailed effort by the National Guard and to some degree by the university uh, to, the, as well as the governor uh, who wanted to shift the blame from the Guard and lay it on the protesters. One of the major stories that we published Several weeks after, it was actually in July, uh, we got a copy of a summary of a report by the Federal Bureau of Investigation that confirmed that the guards' lives were not endangered. They did not have to shoot to control and scatter the crowd. That was a blockbuster story. It went all over the country. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover, who was head of the FBI, we got involved with Jack Knight, who owned our paper. Uh, it was quite a story, but in fact, it it was, and what was so stunning about it was you had a major federal investigating agency like the FBI criticizing the performance and the behavior of another government agency, the National, Ohio National Guard, and that set up a conflict in the minds of many people uh, we got letters and phone calls from people who were canceling the paper at, on the basis of that story they would say how dare you how dare you criticize the National Guard in this way so the the, the fact was that there was a, a heavily deeply divided public in 1970 over the Vietnam War and, and the 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 outspoken students and, and others who were protesting the war and it led to a, a widespread outrage uh, that <clears throat> that uh, was prevalent almost everywhere so when you have a singular event like Kent State it tended to focus all of the anger and all of the opposition on, on that one story and of course that's, that's part of what I'm trying to tell in in my book.
4: So, when you talk about that deep divide back in 1970 and and over the war, um, wasn't it? Is it sort of like what the divide is now today over over um, politics, so to speak, like Trump and anti-Trump? And uh, do you find it very comparable?
6: Well, in some ways, it's comparable simply because the press the press is part of what's being argued over but in 1970 you had a single tragic event there were other uh, other demonstrations that was that uh, made for a a extended uh, protest around the country about the war about the draft and so on but it it was no singular event there was no there was no singular event Today, except perhaps the developing story over the virus, we'll see how that plays out in terms of uh, the government and the and the press, and whether the country eventually comes to depend on on serious reporting by the press to to, to give them the true story of what's happening in our hospitals in our states. In our, in our, in at the White House and our national government, um, but uh, up until that, um, there, I, I would say there's we've been no singular event like there was at Kent State. Well, what has happened in in the, in the current time has to do more with a political uh, effort to demean the press and use the press as a as a as a target. For a political purpose, um, that's different from a situation in which four students were killed.
4: How, how did the groups like the National Guard back in 1970 actually um, get their theories out? Like the kind of like when you say they were trying to turn the opinion um, against the the, the students. Uh, how did they spread that kind of rumor back then? Because there was no Internet.
6: No, there wasn't. That came from interviews. Our reporters uh, confronted uh, the, the Guard commanders and, and their leading officers. And how did this happen? What happened? And that's when the c- claim was expressed uh, that there had been a sniper. That was the first one. Uh, and then the, the the other claim immediately was well our, our soldiers felt their lives were in danger and and under military practice a soldier is permitted to shoot if he feels his life is in danger well we we published and, and there was there were three young photo- student photographers who took iconic photographs that be, have become very famous i'm sure you're familiar with the one by john philo of the young woman with her arms in the air screaming over the dead body of Jeff Miller. Well, there were several pictures that had equal power. And, and what those pictures, as I, I explain in my book, what those photographs do is demonstrate that the, that the students were nowhere near the guardsmen in a way that could be said their lives were being threatened. So um, that's, a, that's a, another part of the, if you want to call it, exposés that came out of the journalism, the three student photographers who shot these wonderful photographs, revealing photographs, that have helped, helped establish the truth that the guardsmen were really not endangered by the students. The students were expressing their First Amendment right, be able to uh, demonstrate in opposition to the war and the, the guards should have been protective of that and in trying to break up the rally they also should have followed the first dictum of crowd control which is do no harm uh, so um, so that's that's how uh, we look at it. We looked at it then, now, and then. Uh, that in our relentless search for the truth, these are several co- attempted cover-up actions that the guard took. Mostly, it was the guard that took uh, and to try to lay the blame on the protesters. So, uh,
4: in in 1972, I mean, things were. Um... In a, in a kind of an unrest as well. Like things were not, uh, like a lot of people talk now that uh, so many things are happening and the world's ending and there's all this upset and panic and all this stuff. But things were happening a lot in the late 60s and, and early 70s as well, which people had the same feeling. Wasn't that kind of?
6: There were a lot of demonstrations on college campuses in the late 70s there were also the urban riots you had the Detroit riot, the Newark riot Uh, and and, um, those were singular events but the the protests against the war that were that took place on the college campuses you had Columbia and you had Harvard and you had other places um, these were all done relatively peacefully nobody was killed and that's a that's a tipping point in trying to understand why the focus has been on Kent State for 50 years. Um, the other places, uh, Harvard, they took over the university administration building and did other things, and the police were involved and so on. But th- those those demonstrations were carried out peacefully. And so, relatively peacefully. And so now you have a singular event where American boys in the National Guard shot and killed four students.
4: Now, I want to be clear, too. Like, uh, those four were, were never charged or, or sent to jail, or no, nobody ever was.
6: Well, the, uh, of course, the dead students. Two, two of the dead students were on their way to class. They were not involved in the protest. Two of the dead students. We have photographs in the in the book of they were part of the group that was yelling, "Stick the pigs" and so on. But that they were um, they were trying to get um, they were trying to get uh, the students were trying to get. Uh, the guard to leave. The they students they were really upset because they considered the National Guard to be intruders on their campus. They thought that this is our campus. We have a right to protest against the war and the draft, and the National Guard has no business invading our campus and telling us that we can't have a, a First Amendment act uh, demonstration. So that those were some of the elements there uh, that gave the gave the the, the uh, special nature of this demonstration uh, the cachet that it's had for fifty years.
4: So, what do you hope people walk away with and, and get from the book when they read it?
6: Well, I hope it t- it gives them uh, <clears throat> a sense of how it. A single local newspaper found the truthful, uh, truthful evidence that has framed the public understanding of this tragedy for a half century. Also, I hope that the book will give help give closure to a tragedy that the courts and the community could never achieve. Uh, because I th- and I think the book is a powerful reminder that truth did matter.
4: Well, it's a, a fantastic book, and uh, we will have it on our website so people listening can just do one click and pick up the book. Um, Thank you. Now, now our guest is the author, uh, Robert Giles, and the book is called When Truth well, Matters.
6: If, if, yeah. if I could, yeah. I, I'd like to compliment you for. Uh, the insights and the preparation that has obviously gone into your questions and our discussion today thank you for that very much
4: well of course and and thank you Uh, great book and great work
3: to find out more about our show guests or to listen to past shows from our archive please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com
1: Carlson, America's leading Norwegian fish oil brand, specializes in both great tasting soft gels that are easy to swallow, and fish oil liquids that don't taste fishy. That's right, Carlson provides the most extensive line of fish oils to meet all your needs. You can take Carlson fish oils with confidence, for Carlson fish oils are tested for purity, potency, and freshness. Ask for Carlson Norwegian Fish Oils today. That's right. As for Carlson Norwegian Fish Oils today. Attention SSI recipients. If you did not file a tax return last year and have children under 17, you must act now to get the $500 economic impact payment per child If you do not act by May 5th, you must wait until next year to get those payments. Go to irs.gov and enter your information in the non-filer tool by May 5th. That's irs.gov. This message produced by Social Security at U.S. taxpayer expense. This is KCAA. If you find yourself in need of legal representation, it can be a very stressful time in your life. In my career, I have dealt with
4: thousands of lawyers, I've dealt with thousands of law firms, and I can confidently recommend to you Keith M. Davidson at kmdlaw.com.